welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Has God ever left you hanging? You may have felt like it, but he's never left not naria, like my mama used to say, not naria one of us hanging. And we bless the Lord God Almighty that he loves us enough to continue to come through for us, to continue to take care of us, to continue to look out for us, to continue to emotionally support us, psychologically support us, and spiritually support us, amen. Well, remain standing where you are. Remain standing where you are. Um, Amen. Amen. He is a great God. He's a great God. Uh, Yes. Um, We used to do three services, so y'all ain't had no room to shout. So, you know, so, so we, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you got to put the church in neutral. You know, when you put the car in neutral, you can rev it up a little bit, you know. And so we give you, we got it. I know some of y'all are frustrated. You get your praise on. We say, all right, we got to move on to the next thing. And somebody's still standing up and they hot as fire. Because they were, they were just on the cusp of a breakthrough. And they just said, if we didn't have three services, if I had another minute, I, I, was, I felt like I was pushing through something. I don't know if you've ever been in worship. And you, you got at that moment and you felt like you was pressing through something and God was like, uh-huh, keep going right there, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there, boom. And all of a sudden you was into something that God took you into because you continued to worship and praise him. And don't let, don't let the intellectuality fool you. Listen, you need God. There's some things, you, you, there's some things that won't change until you get in God's presence. <laughs> I remember, I remember the day I started really, really walking with the Lord, really, really walking with the Lord. And I, and I, was, I was doing a drug in my car on the college campus. And um, a friend of mine uh, had given me a tape. Now, I know y'all don't know what a tape is. <laughs> um, and they had pre-recorded all of these Christian songs on it. And um, this song came on. And I didn't know what to do. He said, how can you forgive me when I've often gone astray? How can you think of me when I do things my way, turning my back from you? Listen, when that part came on, the one who loved me first, Having my own desires, renewing worldly thirst. And then all of a sudden, I was high as a kite. Lie to you not. The Holy Spirit entered the car and shut my high off. Now, I didn't know this because I wasn't walking with the Lord. I tried to drive away from the presence of God. I said, no, 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 this can't work. I I started driving, but he wouldn't go nowhere. And he was in the car with me, and he held on to me, and I just let go and began to worship. And from that moment on, that's where where I am today began. And let me tell you something. Um, There's some things, there's some things that the presence of God can do now, I'm not saying don't go to therapy. I'm not saying don't take med. I'm not saying none of that. But, but don't underestimate God's presence. And as a believer, you have the ability to invoke it at any point in time. 
See, some of y'all ain't been saved long enough where you've been through something hard enough to where you started worshiping and then all of a sudden he, he had started inhabiting your praise. Yeah. And so don't underestimate. So I always want to explain that because you, you know, and I'm not beating anybody up, but some people, you know, y'all standing like, what's going on? But I want to let you know, kind of give you a bird's eye view uh, on what goes on and why it's important. It's supernatural. Somebody say supernatural. Yes, yes, yes. And so let's go ahead and get into today's message. Um, this is our last message in the Simplicity series. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, was, I worked on the series a while back for faithfulness because I want us to go through significant, you know, simplicity, faithfulness, edification, and equipping, a series on each. I couldn't sleep last night at all. I didn't get any sleep. And I pulled out my phone and wrote up another series. Um, and so be praying for next Sunday um, uh, because about an audible and God may be calling an audible for us. So be praying because I believe it's a very, very important series if it's for now. So I want you to keep that lifted. Amen. 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 John chapter one, verses 35. I'll have us read. You Just read from verses 35 uh, to let's go to 42. Let's go to 42. Uh, chapter John chapter 1 verses 35 through 42 uh, let's read starting now one two three let's read the next day John was standing with two disciples keep going uh -oh. that's okay that's okay let's start over let's start over one, starting at verse 35. Let's keep it up there, y'all. One, two, three. Let's go. right there. Today, I'd like to talk about how Jesus changes the world. How Jesus changes the world. Lord God Almighty, uh, we need that oil that makes this flow. And so, God, I pray today that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. How Jesus changes the world. Um, I know that all of us have gone through different changes and changes uh, can be really tough. How many of you think changes can be really tough at times? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, going through uh, differing situations with so much change, you can, all, you can feel dizzy and confused, particularly when you didn't expect that change. Um, many times it's easy to think that it isn't, uh, there isn't anything going on, but in every broken situation, there is a redeemable reality that needs changing. Uh, lots of things in our world is changing. Of course, we've been through tons of different changes over the last few uh, years, and we've had to adjust to being able to change on the dime at times. I mean, it, it, uh, so much has changed. Some people wear masks, some people don't. Uh, some people feel this way about certain things, some people don't. Cost of living has gone up. Some of y'all rode y'all bike this morning. Amen. Because that gas is ministering to your pocketbook and wallet. So much. They snuck that up on us, too. Um, rent has gone up. So many things have gone up. So there are significant changes. It's funny. They raise the prices of everything, but they don't raise your money you get. Amen. Amen. Um, and so you're, you're constantly trying to figure things out. 
But one of the things I've learned about being a Christian, all change is not bad change. There, there are changes in our lives that are necessary changes. There are things that, there, there are changes that, that, that are necessary that sometimes we feel good about <laughs> and some changes we, we, we don't feel great about. You know, uh, ultimately, all change, again, isn't bad. Some change uh, that you don't realize needs to happen sometimes until the Lord places you in a situation to see that those changes need to take place. Uh, sometimes you got to see things you can do without. Sometimes God just wants to show you you can do without that. Another time, God may be showing you some people you can do without. Uh-oh. God may be showing you some places you can do without, some opportunities you can do without. But then it also, God also will show some things that you needed. One of the beautiful things about change sometimes, a lot of times with God, is he shows you in your life things that you didn't know uh, you needed in your life. And not only um, that, some things that you need to start doing. You know, um, and, 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 and as we begin to do that, it begins to help our lives. Ever, ever since I began, you know, being more consistent with working out and trying to eat like I got some sense. Um, you know, because first, when you, when, you, when you go through the dirty eating season, now I know some of y'all ain't been through it, but some of us have been through the dirty eating season. The transition from dirty to clean is rugged. Be, people be walking French fries past you. You know, and all different types of things that you want. And you're like, oh, man. But as those things begin to dissipate and you begin to eat differently, your energy level begins to go up. And then you begin to see the benefit that those changes make. Many times in our lives, we don't know the benefit of change until we start walking in those changes. And so many of us need to start walking in a ton of changes in our life, and the church of God needs to be walking in a ton of changes in and of itself. And so we go to a passage, I would say, I love those initial contact passages in the Bible where Jesus connects with a person for the first time. It's a beautiful event to see them encounter God and see them experience God and see them begin to interact with him and see what he's like and then how he talks to them. Jesus, Jesus is real gracious yet stern at the same time. And in this passage that we're in, we're seeing that this is some of the disciples' first contact with Jesus. John is an interesting book because it's not one of the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are those who work on the same kind of narrative of information uh, 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 from Jesus's birth to his ascension to kind of work through their information in a particular way. And so in Matthew, uh, uh, he's the, Jesus is presented as the messianic king. And, 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 and Luke, uh, I mean, in Mark, he's presented as the suffering servant. And in Luke, he's presented as the son of man. But, 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 but John presents him as God in the flesh. And so what he does is they started, this is what I like about John. John did a remix of the life of Jesus. He didn't remix it in light of changing it. See, they started with his birth. John started with his pre-birth. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and skeneoed among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. And no one has seen God at any time except for the only begotten God that's in the bosom of the father. So you begin to see Paul, but John says, I, I know it's good to show his bloodline that he's connected to the Davidic line. But I want to know, I want you to know that he created the line that he was born into. Somebody go get that on the way home. Somebody go get that on the way home. In other words, Jesus isn't just a baby in swaddling cloths that was born. He's eternal God. And so he starts there because when you start there, and then go to, and that, that doesn't make any one of the, uh, one of them wrong, they just told his stories differently. When you start with who Jesus is eternally, when you look at his incarnation and his life on earth, it puts it in deep perspective. Yeah. 
Because right before this section we're about to come into, um, there was an encounter uh, with him in different ways that he's being talked about uh, about John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist is talking about him. But, but what he wants people to know is this Messiah comes to change things. That's what he comes to do. Jesus, I want you to, I really want you to meditate on this reality. Jesus comes to change things. Meaning, the expectation on your life is that you will not remain the same. And so here in this passage, we have, really for me, a beautiful passage. And what does he begin to say? It says in verse 35, which brings me to my first point. Jesus invites you on a journey to see things constantly change. Jesus invites you on a journey to see things constantly change. Look what it says. It says, the next day John was standing with two disciples. When, they saw, when, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. I like this. I like the way John was standing. He's chopping it up with his disciples, and Jesus just walks past them. He doesn't even speak to them. He just kind of, kind of, kind of wave his heavenly glory past them. And, Jesus, and, and John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. That's beautiful right there because he didn't say a Lamb of God. He said the Lamb of God. Now, there's a couple of things happening here. There are seven feasts in the Old Testament, seven holy feasts. And those seven holy feasts ultimately are mechanisms to point to Jesus Christ. Now, in this particular feast, John is pointing to a particular feast. He's pointing to the Passover. And, and every, if you know anything about Passover, when Passover happens, it's pointing back to the fact that uh, when God caused the death angel to go over Egypt, they told them to put the blood over the doorpost. And when he told them to put the blood over the doorpost, he said, whoever, whoever puts the blood over the doorpost, the, 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 when the angel of death sees the blood over the doorpost, it'll pass by. And so all of the people out in Egypt who were Jewish had to uh, 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 slay a lamb and put blood over the doorpost. And so that means then God commemorated in the wilderness that the, uh, the, that the Passover was going to happen. And they had to over and over and over and over and over again slay a lamb. But what's interesting is John doesn't say a lamb of God as if he's some common lamb. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. In other words, this is the ultimate Lamb who will fully fulfill Passover so that you will never have to celebrate Passover again. Now, you can celebrate it, but you better look to Jesus because we're not looking uh, for the death angel anymore. I wish I had some help right there. I'm not worried about hell no more. I'm not worried about what, because I have, my life has been changed. Your life has been changed. If you know the Lamb of God. You know, uh, the Bible says the blood of bulls and goats never took away sin. They just put them on layaway. See, some of y'all don't know about layaway. See, some of y'all, you know, you know, you went with layaway. I remember Burlington Colfax used to have layaway. I used to love that in college. I could rack up on $100 worth of stuff for three seasons. I could put $5 down and they gave you three months to pay it off. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but, but, but what's interesting, but what's interesting is that no matter, I, I had to keep making payments until it was paid off. But what's interesting is that the blood of bulls and goats, although it put our, our sins on layaway, forgiveness on layaway, there was no payment made. Because they could never pay for your sin. So Jesus Christ came in like Shaq did. Shaq went to Walmart. I, I like that. And went and paid off everybody's layaway. And so he paid off everybody's layaway. I wish I'd have had some. I'd have racked up on some stuff on layaway if I knew Shaq was coming. But, but he paid it off. And the people, all they had to do was walk in and get their stuff. 
See, that's what Christ does for you. You don't bring any resources to the table when you put your confidence in him. All you got to do is put your confidence in him and walk in and get your forgiveness. But it's, but it's, but it's a statement that's said here that, that you'll begin to see and you and I both will begin to see that that's a sequana, if you will, of the gospel narrative. Because when you talk about change, you have to talk about one of the deepest terms or phrases in the New Testament. And one of the deepest terms or phrases in the New Testament is a phrase that we're about to read. Now, you see that they were talking to John the Baptist in verse 35. As they were uh, 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 talking to John the Baptist in verse 35, Jesus passes by. They say, look, the Lamb of God. And then after that, in verse 37, it says, the two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. Somebody say, followed Jesus. Uh, I love John because he's an artist. All, uh, uh, most of the writers in the Bible are artists, but he's an artist because he presents this phrase early because this phrase is a euphemism for discipleship. Now, I know we don't hear that word much no more in church because church has become so consumer-driven that it's based on what people want based on what they need. And so we make decisions based on what we receive from church, not based on our commitment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we go somewhere and we say, what do I like about this? Does this fit my personal criteria of what I look for in a church? Now, it's nothing wrong with having biblical values of what you want to see in a church. But let me explain something to you. You don't get to tell the disciple maker what discipleship should look like. See, if you ain't been a disciple maker, this ain't going to hit you. In other words, I couldn't go to my college class and say I didn't like the syllabus and then do some edits and hand it back to my professor. God hands us a syllabus and it's called a cross. And so when we talk about change happening and God invoking change in our life, this word disciple is, is a beautiful term. This, 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 they're following a cultural format in what they're doing. But, but what I want to do is I want to define for you uh, th this idea of what it means to be a disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who has renounced. We've used this around here before. Him or herself and pledged their life to being in a lifelong apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. Keep that up there. Keep that up there. I want, I want to say that again. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who has renounced himself or herself and pledged their life to being in a lifetime apprenticeship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't change until God's the boss. You cannot, you cannot come to God saying, now, God, now these are some guidelines that I have for coming to you. Number one, I'm not getting rid of this. I'm not getting rid of that. And what I need you to do is I, I need you to stop the waiting stuff you do. When I ask for something, I, I need it now. You understand? Um, and, 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 you know, I, I just kind of need you all of that. Wait on the Lord. He will renew. I don't want, I don't need my strength renewed. Just give me what I want at the time that I ask for it. Now, I think that's, is that it? Um, now, I wish anybody would go to God and tell God that they're going to tell God what a relationship with him is going to look like. Because if we was to give God a syllabus of what our relationship with him would look like, we would never grow spiritually. We would say, no suffering, God. Just take that out of the equation. Uh, only the resurrection. I just want to walk out the tomb. I don't want that cross on my back. No splinters, none of that. Just create a Christian life where I live in the clouds. I live in the lap of luxury. I don't have, the, in other words, that's not the reality of the Christian life. Change demands that you commit yourself to a lifelong apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You never stop growing and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be able to have a pension and retire from your job, but you still got to walk with Jesus Christ because let me tell you something you never retire from being a believer there's no retirement your retirement happens through death or he come back and that's when our retirement happens and so we see in the passage that they began following him I love this 
And so I, I don't know about you, but if two people just start following me, I'm walking down the street, down Diamond Street, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Forget about Diamond Street, any street, if anybody's following me. But Jesus being like he is and being the great one he is, he does what only Jesus does. I, I love what Jesus does. Look what it says. <clears throat> he said, he asked them, what are you looking for? Now, you have to understand how legendary Jesus' questions are. Jesus' questions usually is not asking an external thing. It's asking a heart thing. Now, now when Jesus says, what do you want? He's really saying, what do you want for real, for real? Now, why is he saying that? Because in their culture, someone following in behind a rabbi is someone saying that they're willingly submitting themselves to that rabbi's teaching in order to come behind that rabbi and walk in the teachings that that rabbi wants them to walk in. So Jesus, knowing the cultural norm of that particular culture, what he begins to do is he challenges the cultural norm to say, I'm not trying to, to face the cultural norms of society. I want to know what do you want for real, for real? Because you know many of us, I, you know, you know, you will have altar calls at the church and people will come forward and, and, and it'll be great. People come forward and we've been, then you take them in the back and you counsel with them and you say, you know, uh, why did you come forward? You know, I just felt good. You're like, no. That was about trusting Jesus as Savior. And, and you begin trying to walk people through it. And, and, and as you begin to try to walk people through it, they, they, they're still having some whole reason that has nothing to do with the actual sermon. And so you're saying, no, I, the, the, the reason why we brought you back here wasn't because of that, but was because of this. In other words, we have to be in line with what Christ is asking us. So what does Jesus say? Why do you want to follow me? That's the question I want to ask all of us. Is why... Do we want to follow Jesus? What do we actually want from Jesus? One of the things that is hard to grow into as a believer is growing into wanting for you what God wants for you. Um, some of us, you know, may want to be a believer. He's like, Jesus, I, I, want, I want to blow up. I want everything you have for me, everything God has for me. I want to blow up. I want wealth. I want a relationship. I want, yeah, I want power. I want what you have. But, but do you want lives changed? Do you want people passionate about Jesus? Do you want ministry done? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to work through every challenge in your life? Do you want a godly legacy? And do you want to invest not just in your own life, but in the lives of others? Because when we talk about as a church, the idea of simplicity, this next section is going to help us to really frame what Jesus Christ is after. And Jesus Christ is after these people and change in their life for not just their own life change, but the change of the world. But the type of people Jesus tends to use is can at times be a little bit weird. And what you'll see in the passage is at Jesus is not afraid of them. And he says in verse, the next verse, the next part of the verse, it says, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says, come and see. I like that because Jesus invites any type of person to come out and talk to him. Not only that, he invites your fears. He invites your doubt. He invites your frustration. How do I know that in that text? Because he said, come and see, because whatever they had with them, he was willing to engage it. Now, you got to understand, Jesus is interesting because he is no respecter of person of who he allows to follow him. Now, when he allows you to come in and he engages and talks to you, these are the type of people that ended up being the people who changed the world. There were religious skeptics, businessmen, Hebrew fundamentalists, a thief, thugs, a shady government worker, a radical Jew, mama's boy, and spoiled rich kids. That's who he anointed to be his disciples. Oh, a demon-possessed, formerly demon-possessed woman, a former prostitute. All these different types of people is who Jesus invited to be with him. Because Jesus invites people, and you'll see in this next section, he doesn't invite you based on where you are. He invites you based on something else. Look at what happens here. He says, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying. 
And they stayed with him that day, and it was about four in the afternoon. They encountered him. Then Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. So now, Andrew has encountered Jesus. He spent the evening talking to Jesus. And as he spent time talking to Jesus, something began to change. Because it's impossible to have an authentic encounter with Jesus Christ and something not change. Watch what happens in the text. Stay with me. Uh, um, um, because it's impossible to have a real encounter with his presence. It's impossible to have a real encounter with his glory. Uh, one of my favorite passages is when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus. And, and, and he showed, I like the way he just showed up on the road, hooded and cool and some linen. And he walking with his sandals on in his glorified state, brand spanking new body, but still got holes in his wrist and in his side. But they don't know it yet because he's just walking beside him. And the Bible says he didn't allow them to see him. I like that. That's pretty fly. And so they was walking on the road to Emmaus and they were talking, going back and forth on the road to Emmaus about, oh, what are you asking? What's going on? Don't you know that Jesus Christ died? You got and they're going back and forth. He says, how slow are you believe the prophets? And then he says, starting with Moses. And he began to talk and talk and talk. And he ate with them, spent time with him. Then he held up the bread. They bowed their heads to pray, looked up. He was gone and they realized it was him. And he said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us on the road? It's impossible to have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. Gideon, Gideon, he, 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 was, he, was, he was stressing wheat by the wine press, functioning in his dysfunctionality. Uh, but, but all of a sudden, God showed up and said, oh, oh, oh great man of violence. He's like, who are you talking to? In, in, other, in, other, in other words, uh, 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 he didn't see where he was, but God saw where he was. I'm getting ahead of myself. But what ended up happening is, is Gideon didn't believe in what he could do until he had a counter with God because he didn't have trust in his own strength. It was when he knew that he had, see, you act different when God's with you. You act different when God was with you. I used to watch Scooby-Doo. I don't know if you used to watch Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? I, like, I used to like that joint. In one of the episodes, there's this little dude called Scrappy-Doo. I like Scrappy, Scrappy, Scrappy. He, he about this tall, but he, he wants to give you the hands. And Scrappy would be, come on, let me at him, let me at him. And one time he's saying that, and then whoever's behind us is about to get at him. And then all of a sudden, uh, they ran off. He said, see, I knew it, I knew it. But see, Scrappy didn't know that his OG was behind him. And the enemy wasn't scared of Scrappy, but the OG. In other words, it was based on who was with Scrappy not on Scrappy's ability to scrap. Let me tell you something. The enemy is not scared of you. The enemy is scared of you when God's with you. When God's with you, your confidence goes up. When God's with you, you can get a breakthrough. When God's with you, nobody can stand against you. When God's with you, you're more than a conqueror. When God's with you, when God's with you, that hits, the, God being with you hit different. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 it feels different when God's with you, when that wind is behind you. I, I, I like when I'm in the airplane and he said, we're going to get in a little early. I say, I'm listening. Why, Captain? Because there's a tailwind behind me. And listen, when the tailwind, the jet stream gets behind you, the plane moves a little quicker. Listen, when God takes you off and puts his eternal jet stream behind you, some things happen in your life that will never, ever happen. Jesus causes you to see and experience real change. Look what it says. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. Now, that is interesting because in verse 38, Andrew called him rabbi. <laughs> Anybody that called Jesus just a prophet don't know him. When somebody say, well, he's just a prophet, I said, you don't know the one. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, that's one of the things he does. 
one of the things he does. But, but uh, he's actually God, so he really doesn't need prophecy. Prophecy is really an earthly office, not an eternal, eternal office. So he's actually prophet, priest, and king. He operates in all the offices. But he's also eternal God. But here, sometimes it takes an encounter for us to remember who Jesus is. Because you know life will make you forget who Jesus is. And you need another encounter to see who Jesus is. Sometimes you may have gone through seasons of sickness and you forget he's a healer. And, And sometimes in your pain and frustration, you ask yourself, God, are you still a healer? Sometimes you experience some financial ups and downs. And when you experience those financial ups and downs, you, it's funny. It's funny how we act like we're not Israel. Like, we'll see God provide, and we'll be like, thank you, God. We bless you for your provision. Go through another season. See, God, I'm, I, I'm, mm, 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 mm. We, we just some, some, some fair weather believers, right? But, but, when you, but, then you have, but then God gives you an encounter with him because sometimes just if feeling broke just feels bad. You just feel like the bottom's pulled out from under you, especially when you've been doing a little something. But then when you get that feeling and then you get in God's presence and even though God hasn't provided at that moment what you wanted, what ends up happening is, is he refuels your confidence in who he is as a provider. And then guess what? Over and over and over again, he begins to do what he does, provide. That's how God changes things. God changes things by constantly taking us through things to remind us who Jesus is. So he says in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard Jesus and followed him. He first found his brother, Simon, and said, we have found the Messiah. And then he brings Simon to Jesus. Now, um, just a side note, I love the way an encounter with Jesus automatically made him share Jesus. Automatically made him share Jesus. Now, Peter goes with him. He says, come on, let's go. Let's roll and see the Messiah. Let's go and see the Messiah. When Jesus saw him, now, Jesus never met Peter. Jesus never talked to Peter. They didn't even greet yet. And what he says to him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Rock. Now, if you understand this statement, you recognize that Peter was everything but a rock. I mean, Jesus says, he said, Jesus, I'll tell you, I won't deny you. Jesus looks up by the fire, wipes his mouth. He says, before the cock crows thrice, that's the old translation, you'll deny me three times. He said, nah, nah, nah. He said, but this is what Jesus said. He says, after you've turned, encourage your brothers. Ain't that funny? And he calls him rock. But he's everything but a rock. But when Jesus looked at him, he did see every messed up kink in Peter's life. But what he didn't do was let the mess in Peter's life define Peter's life. Aren't you glad that God doesn't let your mess define who you are? He looks at who you are and he says, I want to call you beyond what you are. And Peter is sitting there and they're looking around. And after that, it says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. There it is again, that term, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda. He was from the nice district. And the hometown of Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then he says, can anything come good come out of there? Nazareth? He based Jesus' location on his spiritual vocation. He says, come see. I like, they keep saying that in here. Come see. 
Philip answered, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and he said, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And he says, how do you know me? He said, Nathanael, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So the Bible says that Jesus set aside independent use of his attributes in his incarnation. But only God the Father would allow him opportunity to use those attributes if necessary. So God opened a portal because he knew Nathaniel was going to come to him. Jesus was able to peek in there, look at him under the fig tree. When he came to him, he said, I saw you under the fig tree. But then he said, Rabbi. Now notice who he called him now. He said, Rabbi. Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So he's gone from rabbi to Messiah to king, son of God and king of Israel. And I like this part because this is the part where we need to wrap our minds around how God operates. And we not only need to wrap our mind around how God operates, but who Jesus Christ is. Look at verse 50. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's powerful. Now, Jesus is going back to Genesis, probably around the 32nd chapter. And in that 32nd chapter, when Jacob was running, he laid down and used a rock as his pillow. And the Bible says he saw a vision. And he saw a vision of a ladder. The bottom of it touched earth and the top of it touched heaven. And then he said he saw the angel of God, of God ascending and descending on it. And at the top of it was one who resembled a God. And Jesus says in this passage, he says, you think this is something you are going to see the angels ascending and descending on me. He called himself the ladder that Jacob saw. I'm Jacob's ladder. Now, what does that mean? The bottom of the ladder touched earth. Y'all not listening. The top of the ladder touched heaven. In other words, he's saying that I will be able to touch earth, but I also be able to touch heaven. I am going to reconnect heaven to earth. Now, we know that ultimately he's going to do this, but he's also talking about practical changes that happens in the world. That's why when they asked him, Lord, how do we pray? He said, I pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be on as it is in. Yes. Our lives are supposed to be sneak previews of coming attractions. Uh, one of the things I like about movies is I love to watch movies. I love the movies, but let me just tell you something. If I don't make it to the, the part where I get to see the previews, I don't feel like I saw the movie. I love to see what's coming out because those previews nourish my heart and help me to see pictures of things that I want to see. I got so many movies that I begin getting excited about that's about to come out. See, I went to the movies in the days when you didn't have YouTube where you could watch stuff. You had to go to the movies to watch it and you would look forward to that particular movie and there was no replay so you had to remember as much as you can from the trailer in order that you could still look forward to the movie. Our lives are supposed to be live trailers to the return of Jesus Christ. Our lives, when people look into the way you walk, they should be looking forward to Jesus. When they look, when they see the way that you talk, they should be looking forward to Jesus. When they see the way that you operate in relationships, they should point them ultimately to Jesus Christ. When they see how you deal with finance, when they see how you uh, uh, walk in everyday areas of your life, they should be seeing sneak previews of coming attractions. But I'm so glad that Jesus not only here is talking about the preview, he's also talking about the movie. Because uh, later on, 
he's going to make what's called a new heavens and a new earth. But before there's a new heavens and a new earth, there's going to be a big transformation that happens. And that transformation is going to happen is that Jesus is going to return. And y'all know I love talking about the return of Jesus Christ because stuff on this planet is so messy. Stuff flips upside down. As much as I want to live here and enjoy here, see my kids, see my kids, kids, I want to see Jesus return. And one day, a trump is going to blow. And when that trump blows, the father's going to nudge the son. The son is going to call for his horse. The horse is going to pull up in front of the throne. He's going to get on his throne. He's going to, again, pull up uh, his robe. He, you know, he fly like that. And it's going to flow in wind that ain't even blowing. And he's going to have a tattoo that nobody tatted on him but the father. That is his name. And all of a sudden, the trumpet is going to blow. And then the heavenly hosts are going to mount their horses behind the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be myriads of myriads of myriads of myriads of myriads people waiting to come back and transform the earth and this the heavens are going to open and Jesus is going to return and he's going to slay governments that didn't walk with him he's going to slay leaders that didn't live for him he's going to put against justice systems that oppress people on this planet that sin against people every false prophet will be thrown in the lake but those who know him the second death had no power. Why? Because they had dipped their blood in their robes and now we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And he's going to come back and he's going to fold back eternity and time and create a new earth and new heaven. That's what we're looking forward to. So, we're still wearing masks. We're still putting on sanitizer every five minutes so our knuckles get ashy. We washed our hands more than we can. And these are crazy changes. But even in the midst of war and rumors of war, you're still called to be a preview. Right now. And no matter how young you are either, when you start walking with Jesus, when you trust Jesus as Savior, you don't become a disciple at 30. You become a disciple at conversion. And so our prayer is, is that we think through and work through our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that he's committed to, most of all in this earth, is change. Somebody say change. And our prayer is, is that our Lord and our God will continue his work of change that started with his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection, ascension, and then his return. Father God, we thank you and honor you for the glorious beauty of how you change things. How do you change things, Lord? You start with the souls of human beings. You start with us, and as you begin to change and transform us, lead us, develop us, and minister to us, you spill that change into the world, but ultimately you're going to come and change. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been changed by faith in Jesus Christ yet. Whether on the balcony or on the floor, you've never placed your confidence in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Place your confidence in what he's done on the cross and the fact that he's gotten up from the grave for you. If that's you and you want to put your confidence in Jesus Christ, why don't you lift your hands in the air so that we can love on you? Anyone, a hand in there. If you want to put your confidence in Jesus, if you're online, um, we'd love to talk to you as well. Online, and our search team will put something in the chat line so that you can email and connect with us so that you can go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for communion. Communion is a time to celebrate the Lord's death. To celebrate him dying and getting up. If you're here today and you haven't, you don't have communion, we want to make sure everyone gets it. You want to partake in communion. 
Remember, communion is for those who have trusted Jesus as Savior. It is a symbol of those who are in a relationship with him. Um, so that's the purpose of that. If you've received it, why don't you stand to your feet? <clears throat> Any other, anyone else hasn't received communion in the balcony or on the floor? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread just like he did in his resurrection on the road to Emmaus and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the meal, he took the cup. He raised it up and said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which was shed for you and for many for the removal of of sins. Let us drink together. Lord God, change is an inevitable thing in our lives. Lord God, help us to embrace the changes that you want us to embrace. We want to honor you with the way that we submit and navigate the changes that you make. And in being a disciple who follows you and walks with you and is encouraged by you, Lord, will you help us to walk in and see the benefits of gospel change in every area of our life? Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy to him. Our God and Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. See you soon. Lord, say the same. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.